Even though the gospel according to Luke is the one assigned for ordinary time during this year ahead of us, the liturgical year, at the beginning we are stuck with the gospel reading from John, which doesn't happen very often on Sundays. And then next week we'll get into the gospel of Luke. It looks like there must be a special reason for inviting John and his gospel into the liturgy, and indeed that is the case. We celebrated the baptism of the Lord, the Epiphany, and these uh, are all manifestations of who this newborn Jesus is, whose Christmas we just celebrated. With the Epiphany Sunday, we had the Gospel reading of Matthew with the three Magi, and they were doing their job as manifesting to all the nations. Remember, they came from just the East, wherever that was. They certainly weren't of the people of God, of the house of Israel, that's for sure. And they're made to look like outsiders, foreigners, and strangers to the house of Israel. But they are the ones that the gospel writer relies on to bring the three gifts, gold, manifesting this infant as a king, frankincense, manifesting something about this child of the divine or worship, and myrrh, the significance of his death, whatever that was going to be, was going to be significant. Then last week at the baptism of the Lord, another epiphany or manifestation of who he is. With his baptism in the Jordan by John, the voice comes down echoing the song of the suffering servant from the book of Yahweh. You are my beloved son. And then today, moving over to the gospel of John, we hear the story that only John writes. The other three gospel writers don't include anything like this. It's the wedding feast at Cana. And this also extends the celebration of the epiphanies, the manifestation of who Jesus is. Remember, uh, as John said, this was the first one of the signs that Jesus exhibited in his ministry. So as he gets started, he goes to the festive wedding feast with Mary and the disciples. Although Mary is never named in the gospel according to John. You can look at all of her uh, entrances, but you never know her name, which is very strange. Well, anyhow, so he simply refers to her as woman, as he does also hanging on the cross, addressing John, woman, behold your son, uh, son, behold your mother. So here we are. What's going on here? Well, uh, when, when Jesus performs this sign, it doesn't say anything about changing. It just says they got the water and then it, it was changed. How that happens, we don't know. But the, the uh, the wonder of it all is attributed to the person of Jesus. So it says, this is how he manifested his glory. 
The manifest is another epiphany. In the second reading, we heard a manifestation of the Spirit, not of Jesus himself. The Spirit is manifested in the many gifts that you have received and are given for the building up of the kingdom and the building up of the community of the body of Christ. So if anyone would say, well, I don't think I have any gifts of the Spirit, that's almost an outright denial of our baptism and our confirmation. Oh, I don't have any Spirit, have any gifts of the Spirit. We are called to make those manifest, especially in the community of the church. Something else is going on at the wedding at a deeper level. Even a child can read, the, read or hear the story read and rejoice at something very good that has taken place. Apparently, they ran out of wine, and boy, Jesus fixed that party up. He fixed them up with 120 gallons, at least, of really good wine. So that must be a good thing. Well, there's another level of the story. Not that that one isn't sufficient, but there's something else going on here. And Jesus is becoming manifest as he comes to the wedding when he is manifest, is manifesting his glory of God at the wedding. Uh, the wedding is important because it is in this context that Jesus is seen as the messenger of God or the, the bridegroom seeking his bride. So Jesus is the bridegroom and the people of God are the bride. It's a very often used image in the scriptures. So it's when he manifests himself, he is manifesting that he is here on behalf of his father as the bridegroom, embracing now the people of God. John uses this same imagery later on, and we'll hear that on the third Sunday of Lent, when we follow Jesus into the town of the Samaritan woman, when they meet at the well, it's another one of those meeting at the well, the love story. Jesus, the groom, seeking the bride, who in this case is the unfaithful wife, or she's at least on her fourth marriage or so, uh, and he is the one that she is the one he is seeking out, and vice versa. So in, in the scriptures, especially in the Old Testament, when the well is mentioned, it's often a symbol of bride and groom meeting together. Many of the predominant characters in the Old Testament, the bride 
and grew met at the well. So here's Jesus later on now uh, at Jacob's well, the little flag that's going up here. Maybe this is the encounter of the lovers of God's love, the bridegroom Jesus, and then the human person represented by the Samaritan woman, and the two of them acknowledged they weren't even supposed to be having anything to do with one another, according to all the rules, which were set aside by Jesus at this time, the new lawgiver. These three Sundays, Epiphany, Baptism of the Lord, and this, this Sunday, these are meant to be manifestations, especially, of who Jesus is and the use of the story of the marriage feast at Canaan sets this into uh, a, a nuptial setting. A priest presenter one time uh, addressing all of us, priests of the diocese and the bishop, was saying, what a wonderful thing it would be if the church had a Sunday that was devoted uh, simply to the nuptial bond, not only of husband and wife, but, th but that nuptial or wedding imagery between God and God's people, because it is mentioned so many times in the scripture. Well, the closest we come to that is this weekend, when the first reading uh, sees God as uh, taking his chosen people as his own. We see the gifts of the Spirit manifest through the community in the second reading, and then in the Gospel, Jesus manifesting his glory for the very first time in John's story at the wedding feast. So we have all these players now coming on to the stage, and I think it's up to the listener to make decisions. Uh, what is that saying about this person? We just celebrated his birth, and then his manifestation or epiphany, his baptism, and now he is at the wedding feast. What do each of these stories tell us? They give us a different aspect on who he is and why he is here for us. Depending on how we make these theological reflections, if you want to call them that, that's important. How we see the person of Jesus in reference to us, the people of God, or the church. And then how we make that decision has a lot to do of how we morally act individually. So there are important questions to answer. Who is he at the, at the baptism? Who is he at the manger? Who is he now at the wedding feast? I think John would say, start thinking of him as the groom who was sent by God to embrace his bride as the people of God. Then it gives us a whole different understanding of ourselves.
Let's now profess our faith together 